The first reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Matthew 7, verses 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, 
the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. come to uh, hear what God has to say, let's, uh, let's just pray. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospels that, that show us <clears throat> how Jesus relates to his disciples, but speaks to us today too. So we pray, Lord, that your spirit will open this word to us and may it make us more like you as we hear these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been given the title because I believe some of you are following a series of uh, the sermons of Jesus. The first slide. Um, now I was given a list of uh, the possible v- uh, verses that I could have chosen, and there were loads of them. So this morning you, you've uh, you've you've not had as many as you could have had, which might be a good thing. Um, So the sermons of Jesus, there are plenty of them. Jesus speaks in so many ways. Uh, And some of them are are sort of hidden in passages where it says, and Jesus was preaching, and Jesus talked, and Jesus spoke to his disciples. Uh, All these could be seen as Jesus' sermons. Now, I'm perhaps going to undo myself as, as a preacher here with my next statement. What use is a sermon? (laughs) You don't have to be honest. (laughs) Why bother listening to somebody for 45 minutes? You're all going to check your watches now, aren't you? (laughs) Or even maybe 20 or 25 minutes, depending. (laughs) We've heard thousands and thousands of sermons. People that have been in church for a long time... You've probably heard at least one a week, if not two a week. So you've heard plenty of sermons. And there is a sort of belief in the world that that this sort of preaching isn't good. It has a negative view in the world. Because a lot of people say, don't you dare preach to me. As if preaching is all about bashing somebody over the head about something. Now there's a little story A very wise uh, man was sitting in a congregation, much like some of you here, and uh, he was talking to a a minister who was fed up with all the effort he put into sermons. He really couldn't see the point. Every week, faithfully, he'd preach, he'd spend hours preparing, he'd be studying the word, he'd be praying, and... And the minister just felt that nothing was hum- happening. And he really started to wonder as a minister, and perhaps this isn't a great thing, he wondered what the point of him getting up every Sunday was. And he was just a bit down about it all. So he said to this wise congregation member, what, why do I bother? And this guy said, I've been married for 40 years, Let's take some wisdom. My wife has put tea on the table for me every night. Some have been excellent. 
Some have been okay, and some could have been better. I don't remember them all, but I'm sure they've all done me good and kept me going. That is why we have preaching. It's not all going to be brilliant. There's going to be good and bad and some in the middle. But it's there to enable us to hear God in our situation where we are and to perhaps be changed by that. Now, Jesus was a preacher, which is where we're getting on to here, the sermons of Jesus. Jesus was a preacher. Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, says, Crowds went to hold on to him, but he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he preached in the synagogues of Judea. He was sent for that purpose, to speak to the people, to preach to them. Now, Jesus' model of preaching and teaching was as, well, as a rabbi, really. He gathered a group of people around him called disciples, people that would follow him. And he would teach them how to live their lives, how to live out their lives. And that's what we have through the Gospels. However, he also spoke to other people as well. He spoke to uh, the religious law keepers, and mostly he upset them, because they didn't like his speaking, they didn't like what he said. He spoke to people on the outside who would not normally hear this sort of teaching. He spoke to tax collectors and sinners, people that wouldn't be associated with rabbis normally. And they loved him. They couldn't get enough of his teaching. And this is what upset the apple cart. And he spoke to millions, well, thousands probably. If you think that while they were at the end of the teaching was when the loaves and fishes were broken, and we reckon there were possibly five to 10,000 people there, that's a stadium, isn't it? That's almost a Billy Graham rally. But what made Jesus' preaching different from all the other teachers? And this is what we're going to be looking at. So our first one, it had authority. Jesus' preaching was different because it had authority. Whenever we hear Jesus preaching, very often it says, and the people were amazed. Why were they amazed? Well, because this teaching was different from what they heard before. The preachers of the law, the teachers of the law, would have just told people how bad they were and how they weren't following the laws well enough and how they needed to do that and they needed to give more money and they needed to give more of their lives to following the rules. And you can imagine how that just grinds people down. If every time you hear a preacher, they're telling you how bad you are. Hope you don't feel like that yet. (laughs) The people were amazed because Jesus' teaching, and perhaps to us this isn't a surprise, but was Holy Spirit empowered. It came from God. Jesus' relationship with God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. It enabled him to then go out and tell the people about this new relationship, this new way of being that made a, a way, a path 
to God the Father. It wasn't like the usual stuff they got from the scribes. The scribes taught tradition. And that was usually passed on from previous teachers. So they just passed on what they'd heard from somebody before them. So it was a bit like Chinese whispers. If you've ever played that, somebody whispers to you a sentence and you have to then pass it on and pass it on. In the case of the scribes, they did that, but they passed it on and each, each time it seems like they made the rules a bit harder and a bit harder and a bit harder. And so in the end, it was almost impossible to keep the laws that the scribes wanted. But Jesus taught directly from Scripture. It wasn't passed on from person to person in the Chinese whispers. Jesus taught directly from the Word of God. With his own authority, which came from from his father's relationship with his father. And that preaching then spoke deep into their hearts. It spoke to them directly. They suddenly realized that the teaching of the law from the scribes was following a set of rules. What they heard from Jesus was life. Was how to know life and life in all its fullness. Now I haven't always been a Christian. I've, uh, I came to Christ when I was 19. There were a lot of reasons why I came to believe in Jesus. But one of them, and this may surprise some of you, was because I heard some sermons. Yay, they really do work sometimes. I was sat as a 19-year-old, not really knowing where my life was. I wasn't particularly bad. I wasn't particularly anything, really. I was just ordinary. And I sat and I I came along to an act of worship with some friends and... uh, uh, and I was sitting and was listening to a sermon and it was like the preachers were speaking directly to me. How, how does that person at the front know all this stuff about me? How can this word that he's speaking speak directly to me in my heart? How does that work? And so I had to go back. Was that just one week? I'll go next week. And next week was the same. And eventually he got onto the subject of, well... You've got to decide who Jesus is. You've got to decide. You can't keep saying, well, he might be this, he might be that. You need to get off the... His exact words, I can hear it now, is you need to get the splinters out of your bottom and get off the fence and decide who Jesus is. And that's what... And, and it spoke to me, and I had to do it. And before I knew it, I was down the front asking Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. So sermons do work when they're from the heart, when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that shows us that there's a necessity for all of us to be in direct contact with God. And that's what Jesus' sermons were about. They were always pointing to the Father. They were saying, you need to get closer to the Father in heaven. And that is why people were amazed. And he, the, the reason also that he was amazed was that he didn't just confine it to those who were the religious elite. Thankfully, he said, it's for all people. And he focused it towards those who were seen as at the bottom of the pile. Jesus speaks to us today. He speaks to our hearts. He, he, he wants us to hear from him day by day. And he still speaks with that same authority as we read his word. 
So Jesus' teaching was different because it had authority. Secondly, Jesus' preaching was different because it challenged. Now we have a nice picture of uh, what we heard earlier and in the reading, uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And when you say that, you can't help but do the actions again. You're sitting there just wanting to do it, aren't you? I know. Jesus preached in such a way that the people were offered a choice. They were offered a choice. You could make that decision. He said you can live this way or you can live that way. This way will bring you closer to the Father in heaven. This way will take you on a different path. And sometimes he was very direct about what path that would leave you on. He would say it would take you to a place where there would be burning fire and gnashing and wailing of teeth. Doesn't sound like a nice day out for me, I have to say. But he wanted people to choose the good way. He wanted people to choose the way that was the way of life. He said, you can keep doing what you do, what you think is right, and that is building your house on the sand. Or, you can listen to my words as I speak them, and not only just listen to them, but action them. So it's two parts here. He says, listen to my words and do them, then you're building your house on the rock. So you've got a choice. You can either just carry on doing what you think is right, that's, and that will lead you onto the sand, or you can choose to listen to Jesus' words and do something about them. And that is building your house on the rock. So what are these words? Well, Matthew six thirty three says, Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the words are, what is it Jesus wants us to do in action? It's to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make God's sovereign rule and a right relationship with him a highest, the highest priority in our lives. That is the rock. It's the being built on Jesus Christ. The firm foundation, the cornerstone, the the, the capstone of our lives, using all those building pictures that Jesus uses and, and the other writers use. It's to allow Jesus to be the solid rock beneath us and within us, to make sure that God's sovereign rule and relationship is what motivates us day by day. And it's also... To live in such a way that others know the love of God in their own lives. Seek first the kingdom of God is about living out our lives as God would want us to. Now that's not always easy. We're all human. We all get it wrong. We're not all brilliant at it. But to try. To allow God's love in our hearts for what he's poured out for us to be shown to the rest of the world. People want to see the love of God. It's the only way that people will experience Jesus in a lot of ways is by our actions. They may have a miraculous sighting of God. I believe that. They may have pictures of Jesus. I know there are people that have had that, that have come out of nowhere in their darkest hours. Brilliant. And that turns them to face Jesus. But 
very often it's through us doing the work of the kingdom of God that people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to live in such a way to show others the love of God in our lives. And there's also Jesus' preaching is to be lived out. Churches are often criticised as hypocrites. Have you ever heard that? You people in church, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're no different from the rest of us. And I guess that's true. To a degree, we're no different. We get things wrong. We're human beings, we're messed up. Our lives aren't perfect. Occasionally we kick the cat when we get annoyed. Except we are different because we believe in a God that makes us different. We believe in a God who can bring transformation. We believe in a God who can change us from the inside out. We believe that we are different. Now, hypocrites were people that put on a different face. That's what they used to be in in ancient times. They were a group of like traveling actors, if you like. Uh, and they, I don't know if you've seen the face marks, the happy and smiley ones and the downturned. Those were what they used to wear. Uh, so they used to cover their faces up so you couldn't actually see what they were like behind. They were called the hypocrites. And that's what it is. They had a different face on them. The face that you saw was not the face behind. We're called to be different. We're called to say that this face is the face of Jesus Christ. To shine out that light of Jesus Christ from our faces. We're to be different from the world. All Jesus' sermons designed to make us different. That's what he did. He wanted the world to change. He wanted the world to reflect the world that his father had created back in the times of Genesis. He wanted the world to to be transformed pre the fall, pre when the sin got involved, pre before when it got all messy. He wanted to show that actually life can be different. But he doesn't want us just to hear those words, but he wants us to let them change us from the inside out, shine from the inside out. And that should inspire us to become more like him. To allow the God's Holy Spirit to indwell us. Part of the Spirit's work is to bring sanctification, to, to cleanse us, if you like. To change us from within. We've got to be open to that. Part of the Spirit's work within us is to enable us to live out our lives as Jesus wants us to. Because we no longer have to be held by the bondage of sin. We can live our lives as Jesus wants us to, which is full of light and life. And that should lead us into positive action in God's world. We are called to live that out. Jesus' preaching was different because it was lived out. We're called to be these, to be salt and light. Salt, as we know, is a change agent. It has flavouring. Now, we're not supposed to have too much salt these days. Uh, which, I guess we all get told occasionally if you go to the doctors. or Most of the time, when you go to the doctors, in my case. We're not supposed to have too much salt in our diet, but that's fine. But if you've been used to it, I mean, how boring is a bag of chips? 
with that little bit of salt on it, hey? Just a little bit. It has, makes something different. It makes flavor. It brings flavor. And when it's rubbed into things, it brings preservative. It makes things good and keeps them good. Salt is a change agent. But it's no good if it stays in the salt cellar. If it stays in that thing, what does it do? Eventually, it just dries up, clumps together, and you throw it away, which is what Jesus said. Salt has to be used. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. When you hear his words, when you hear his sermons, they've got to make us get out of the salt shaker and make a difference to season the world. And light. Light is always described in the Bible as something holy because it banishes darkness. And in a world where it was set of Jesus' time and earlier, light was so important because there wasn't any. You went outside, it really was pitch black. There was nothing else out there. We didn't have street lights. So lights brought hope. They took away the fear of the darkness. They kept away the wild animals. It enabled people to gather together as family around that light and read, uh, maybe read the scriptures. It banished the darkness and it gave hope. So we're called to be light as well. We're called to be darkness banishing, hope giving people. How do we do that? That's always the tough question. Well, Jesus, in one of his very famous sermons, tells us how we should do that. (coughs) Not easy. He says it includes loving our enemies, keeping track of our anger. This is a tough one. Rejoicing when we're persecuted, being merciful, being pure, being peacemakers, giving to the needy. And praying and seeking that God's kingdom will come on earth as it does in heaven. Those are the things that Jesus calls us to do. That's what Jesus' sermon is all about. And then there's one sermon at the end where he talks about his returning glory. It's to make sure that when he comes in glory, we're right with the Father in heaven through him by the power of the Spirit. And we're doing the stuff that Jesus calls us to do. So that when he comes and we say, Lord, Lord, he doesn't say, I don't know you. It's not that we can earn our salvation. That's already bought for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it does mean that we have an opportunity, an obligation, if you like, to be light and salt in the world. Jesus calls us to that. And that's our challenge. Jesus' sermons had authority, they had conviction, and they motivate us to be different. Are we going to take that challenge this week into the world that we live in, to be salt, to be light, and to pray that God's kingdom comes? Amen.